0: Hello and welcome from Good Shepherd Church of Camaria. We're so glad you're with us. Here's today's message. For the rest of us, we're gonna continue on in our series that we're calling More Than Conquerors. The first week we looked at overcoming doubt. Last week we looked at facing fear. And today we're gonna be talking about worry, about letting go of worry. And this wasn't intentional um, that this was planned uh, to take place on Mother's Day, (laughs) Uh, but it got me thinking about things that moms tend to worry about. Moms do worry a lot, don't they? I'm sure that we can all think of things that our own moms worried about. Online, there's all sorts of things about moms and worry, and one mom, mom blogger, Says this. She says, Let's face it, one thing that's inevitable with this crazy important job of being a mom is worry. We worry about our children constantly. We worry about our parenting techniques, whether we're doing anything right, whether our kids are going to be completely messed up. We worry if we feed them the wrong thing or let them stay up too late. We worry about every single detail of every single day. It cannot be helped. It's our job. (laughs) That's what one mom says. And I found a good list, several lists, and kind of compiled um, some of the most common things that moms worry about. Did I remember to send the permission slip for the field trip? What's for dinner tonight? Will she ever learn to tie her shoes? What do ticks look like? Did I pack a snack in her backpack? This is one of my favorite ones. Is it medically possible for a Lego to get permanently embedded in my foot? (laughs) Will anyone notice that the muffins I brought for the school bake sale Our store-bought did I remember to buy the cleats or the special shorts the team uniform the personalized team jacket and of course the purple baseball socks with the one single black stripe or where on earth am I going to find a minecraft birthday cake picture day is it today Or was it yesterday? Will she really get into college if she missed a word on the spelling test? And of course this one, did I do the right thing? But it's not just moms, is it? We can all get wrapped up in worry. We so easily can get wrapped up in our own insecurities, our fear over what negative things could happen to us or what negative things could damage our reputation. In fact, studies have been done over the years about worry, and a lot of these studies show common themes of some of the most common, theme- uh, common worries that human beings face. And they narrow it down to four different themes The first one is money and the future. Worrying about debt, being able to cover your bills next month, fear about your financial security in the future. Another common worry is job security, worrying about losing your job, pressures at work that you're facing, Feeling that your job or your business might be at risk. And then along with that, the external pressures when the economy slowdowns or when the economy tanks. Another common worry is relationships. Those who are single tend to worry about finding a life mate. Those in a relationship or a marriage worry about how secure that relationship or secure that bond is or where this relationship is going to end up. We can worry so much about other relationships, too. We can worry about strained relationships with a family member or maybe your own child. Conflicts with friends that can weigh heavily on our minds, And then finally, the last category of worry is health. Worrying about your own health or the health of a loved one. Worrying about developing a serious disease or a health condition. Primarily because we all realize how fleeting our health can be. How quickly our health can change. It's a reality that we face. As most of you are aware, if you've been living the last 15 months, these last several months have only amplified worries in our society, worry and anxiety. One source reports that during the pandemic, and this is as of January of 2021, so just a few months ago, about four in 10 adults have reported negative impacts of worry and anxiety on their mental health and on their well-being. 36% of them experienced difficulty sleeping. 32% experienced difficulty eating. 12%, there was a 12% increase in alcohol consumption and substance abuse. And then I found this one interesting. A 12% increase, or or sorry, 12% experience a worsening of a chronic illness or a chronic condition. Because that worry and anxiety is just making that chronic condition even worse. Young adults, in particular, have been highly affected. We can kind of put these pieces of the puzzle together closures of university. Or of universities, uh, loss of income or loss of jobs have all contributed to poor mental health and worry and anxiety, particularly among young adults ages 18 to 24. In fact, during the pandemic, 56% of young adults report symptoms of anxiety and/or a depressive disorder. Wow. Do we have a a problem with worry and anxiety? And I think that most of us can relate on some level. And while there's no quick fix, there's no way to just instantly remove worry from this world. We do as believers in Jesus Christ, we do find answers in God's word. As followers of Jesus... We can handle we can approach the worries and fears and anxieties that come our way as followers of Jesus. We can approach them drastically different than the world. And here's why it's because when we are following Jesus, when we are under his sovereign care under his sovereign control, we have no need to worry If we truly believe God is who he says he is, and has done what he has done for us, we have no need to worry. We have no need to be afraid. In fact, we're invited throughout scripture to Let go of our worries and to cast our anxieties and our fears upon the Lord. Cast them at the feet of Jesus, entrusting ourselves to his care and to his control. One of the common verses that we point to is 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7. Many go to this one when they're facing different anxieties. It says, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you casting all your anxieties or some versions say all your cares upon him you know what this literally means this literally means to throw them upon God to cast them upon God, to throw them at the feet of Jesus because he is actively caring for us. He is actively attentive to our needs. This verse, First Peter 5, 6, and 7, relates exactly to what we read in Psalm 55, 22. It says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never, never permit the righteous to be moved. God is saying to us, these are just a couple examples, the invitation in scripture that we have to cast our cares upon him. God is saying to us, come and, and just drop it off. I'll take care of it. We're very blessed here at Good Shepherd with this beautiful campus right here in the center of town. Three and a half acres, four buildings, and it's a beautiful campus. And there's some work, of course, that needs to be done. And we're making little improvements as as time goes on. But one drawback is that this place kind of becomes sometimes a dumping ground. It's like right in the center of town. It's just a little too convenient. There's this pass-through from Arneal back to Fulton. And I kid you not, on like a weekly basis, we find something like a tire or a couple tires just like, you know, conveniently placed up against the fence. Or uh, now for a couple weeks, and, and uh, if we have any volunteers out to come take this away, there's a old, an old... I haven't even tried to get near it or smell it, but an old, nasty mattress <laughs> in the back corner of our property that someone just didn't need anymore, and so decided, hey, I need to get rid of this. I'm just going to cast it off at Good Shepherd. So any volunteers that are, if, you, if, you, if you're looking for a used mattress, no, I'm just kidding. But as I think about that mattress being dumped off and look at an old, nasty mattress, that's really what our worries are. When we continue to carry those worries and those anxieties with us. But. Jesus invites us, God invites us over and over again to just drop it off, to lay it at his feet. But it sounds a little too simple, doesn't it? Yes, I I need to give my worries over to the Lord. Or maybe you've heard the saying before, let go and let God. And that can be helpful at times. It's like, how do I let go? I want to but but how do I release it Well Peter the Apost- or uh, the disciple Peter and several of the other disciples learned this in a very profound way and and this takes place after the resurrection after Jesus rose again from the dead We're going to be looking at John chapter 21 this morning. So I invite you to turn there. Go ahead and turn there. John 21. And by the way, too, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there are Bibles um, scattered throughout the sanctuary uh, in some of the seats in front of you. But turn to John chapter 21. We've actually looked at John 21 a couple times over the last couple months. Uh, Greg Seba, just a few weeks ago, took us through the restoration of Peter, the disciple, as after Peter had denied Jesus three times, and after Jesus had gone to the cross, died on the cross, and then three days later, he rose again from the dead. We don't know exactly what Peter was experiencing, that deep remorse, having denied Jesus, having failed Jesus after so confidently declaring that he would never leave or forsake Jesus. But Jesus restores his relationship with Peter at the Sea of Tiberias, it says in John 21. And here, what we're going to look at today, we see now after Jesus restores Peter how now Jesus is preparing Peter for What's next and what's ahead in his life and how Peter and the other disciples have no need to worry They have no need to worry about the future because of the divine control and the divine care of Jesus and Because Jesus has a plan and a mission for each one of them to fulfill. John 21, I'm going to start reading at verse 18. Follow along with me, if you would, in a Bible. Starting at verse 18, Jesus speaking to Peter Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Most of the worry that we experience usually has to do with uncertainty of the future or worry about the bad things that could possibly happen to us, we start asking that question, well, what if, what if, what if if I crash? What if I get sick? What if I fail? Or what if this decision I'm about to make just turns out to be a total disaster? When you think about it, worry is surrounded mostly by fear of the unknown, uncertainties of the future. But here, Jesus is making something very clear to Peter. And he tells Peter something very clear about his future. And it's probably not what we would want to hear predicted about our future. But this is what Jesus is predicting about Peter's future basically tells Peter, Peter, you're going to be put to death for your faith in me. He says in verse 18, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19 explains what Jesus means by this. He says, this he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. So, okay, Peter, you want to know about the future? Well, here you go. And we know from church history, from records of church history, that Peter was executed, estimated around 64 AD. We know that he hung on a cross, was executed, was crucified, but he hung upside down on that cross and, and died because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And we kind of get the impression here that Peter was going to be resistant to this. Or that was, that's what we would expect, right? I mean, who would want to hear that? Who would want to hear that that's how they're going to die? That he'll be carried off and go where he doesn't want to go. Now, we've always known Peter, as we read through the Gospels, to be very strong-willed He was a big talker. He was impulsive. He was the one that was kind of always putting his foot in his mouth. But from this point on, Jesus was going to be doing an incredible work in Peter. Now that he is restored, Peter is going to be changed through the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit Peter would experience that incredible work of Christ in his heart, and he would work humility in Peter. Peter then would grow to submit to God's will and to God's plan for his life, and he would ultimately then yield his life, yield to the one that would take him and put him to death. But who would win? Who would win? Would the executioner win? Nope. Who wins? God wins. Because what would Peter's death do? What does it say Peter's death would do? It says that it would glorify God. And as we read on in the book of Acts, as the church was born and as the early church grew and took off and Christianity spread in the early church this phrase here to glorify God it actually took on a whole new meaning because in the early church one meaning of this phrase to glorify God meant to endure martyrdom to endure being put to death for your faith this is What Peter could know would be true about his future. But notice what Jesus tells him after this. After he predicts Peter's future here, what is the one single command that Jesus gives Peter? He says, follow me. I heard someone say, what is it? Follow me. Yes, Peter, this is going to happen to you. But what you need to know and do right now is to follow me. It is the safest thing that you can do. It is the best thing that you can do. I've heard someone say before, the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Do you believe that? What is God's will? One thing we know very clear from the New Testament, it says, that God's will is that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Safest place to be is to be saved, to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's God's desire that all people would come under the conviction of their sins and recognize that they can't save themselves. You cannot save yourself and to trust in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And in doing so, you become saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And not only that, but you will then have the confident assurance of eternal life in heaven forever with our Heavenly Father. That's first and foremost God's will for each one of us is that we would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth but the second thing is that we would follow that's just the beginning the second thing is that we would then follow as Jesus just as Jesus commanded Peter here you follow me we have the blessing of looking looking continuing to look in scripture and reading on in the book of acts as the gospel was proclaimed as the Holy Spirit came down upon the apostles and in a a unique and mighty way and and they experienced signs and wonders and and started proclaiming the gospel and thousands of people were coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior thousands of people getting saved and and being baptized the apostles performing miracles, they saw, witnessed firsthand God's incredible hand at work. But it was all because of the supernatural strength that God gave them as his followers. Because Jesus, when he says to Peter, Peter, you follow me. Doesn't the idea of just following Jesus kind of take the pressure off Recognizing that Jesus has gone before us, that Jesus endured the cross, that he has experienced every emotion and feeling that human beings can feel, that he has been tempted in every way as we are, as scripture says, yet is without sin or was without sin. When we're following Jesus, we're following the one who's gone before us and who has endured suffering and who will enable us to endure whatever it is that comes our way. And for the disciples, for the apostles, God gave them supernatural strength to endure whatever suffering and opposition they would face. We see in Acts chapter 5... In Acts 5, the disciples had been proclaiming the gospel, and then they were arrested, and they were put in prison. But in Acts 5, we read on that during the night, as they're sitting there in prison, an angel of the Lord came and opened the doors of the prison. And so they were released, and... They left the prison and where'd they go? They went right back at it. They went right back to the temple courts proclaiming the word of God, proclaiming the gospel and teaching the people, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And then the authorities come again and probably went, how in the world did they get out? They're arrested again and they're brought before the council, it says, and this is what Peter tells them. This is his defense. He says, we must obey God rather than men. In Acts five forty and 42, listen to these words. It says, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. This is talking about the authorities. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. So then they left the presence of the council. Get this, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day, nothing stopped them. Every day, in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So where where am I going with this? And how does all of this relate back to worry? Well, if this is true about Peter, how he would die and in doing so glorify God? And if it's true that the disciples can go on rejoicing because they are counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus, then what are we worried about? What are we worried about? The point that I want to make is this. As followers of Jesus, when we start asking that question, well, what if... And when we start to worry, when we start to think of all the possible things that could go wrong, when we start to ask that question in a worried sort of way, what if? As his followers, we actually can face the what if. And we can actually seriously then ask the question, well, what if? And a disclaimer here, I I don't mean that we need to ask or we should ask this question flippantly? Or that it gives us license like, well, we have no cares in the world at all. It doesn't matter what kind of decisions we make. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the realities of things that actually can go wrong. There are irrational what-ifs, you know, when you... You know, it's a reality that, you know, you go fly on a commercial flight, that plane could go down. Yeah, that's a reality. But the truth is, statistically, it's safer to fly on a commercial flight than to drive your car around. And so that can be somewhat of an irrational worry. But there are some legitimate worries that we think about. None of us are guaranteed a tomorrow. Any one of us can drive out the parking lot today and get hit by another car and be done, be gone. That's a reality. And we don't need to sit and dwell on all the possible things or think up all the possible things that could go wrong. But when we find ourselves worrying and asking, well, what if? Go ahead and ask it. As a follower of Christ, from the perspective of a follower of Jesus, go ahead and ask it. Well, what if? What if I lose my job? Is God going to provide? He's going to open another door? Is he going to take care of me? What if I don't get into that school that I've always dreamed of going to? Well, what if? Is there another path? Is God gonna? How's God gonna redirect? What if I get ridiculed or perhaps even lose my job for speaking the name of Jesus or standing up for biblical truth, biblical principles in the workplace? Is God gonna provide? Is Is God going to bless me in some way? Is he going to be faithful? Do we believe the promises of God? Do we believe that he is going to give his peace, what the, the world cannot give? Do we believe that he is never going to leave us or forsake us? It's not a fun thought. It's a hard thing to ask. But when I think of the calling that Jesus placed upon Peter, the hardships that he was going to face, reminded that God never promised that it's going to be easy. But yeah, there are the what-ifs out there. But we know that God's going to meet us wherever we are. Think about Peter. Peter didn't have to worry about how am I going to face that at the end of my life all Peter had to know is that okay, God when that time comes I know that you are going to be with me I know God that you are going to receive the honor and the glory Peter turned it says after Jesus says follow me turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also leaned back against him during the supper, it says, and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? We know this disciple to be John, John the, the uh, disciple. When Peter saw him, it says, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about this man? What did Jesus say to him? Jesus said, if it's my will... That he remain until I come? What is that to you? You follow me. Not about you, but no, that was when one worry that my mom always told me to worry about is to worry about myself. <laughs> when she's gonna enforce a consequence to maybe me and my sibling, one of my siblings, it's always a natural thing. Well, what about this? What's gonna to happen to this one? What's gonna to happen to my brother? What's gonna to happen to my sister? What consequence are they gonna get? I always remember the words of my mom. You don't worry about them. You worry about yourself. It's kind of what Jesus is telling Peter here. You follow me because well, he says, What if? What if he's he's gonna stay alive until I return? What is that to you? And we know that the disciples took that and kind of started spreading rumors around. That's another thing that worry does, right? It starts to spread, wor- uh, spread worry around the world. Spread rumors. But Jesus is saying, well, what if? If I've called you to suffer and die for my sake, and if I've called him to remain alive until I come? Well, what is that to you? I'm writing a story for your life. Are you willing to submit to his plan, to his will? Following Jesus and submitting to his will, submitting to his control, And in doing so, letting go of worries and anxieties, what does that look like? If we're called to cast these anxieties, to cast these worries upon him, what does that look like? How do we do this? What does it look like practically for us? I, I do want to leave you with a few practical things, practical ways to let go of worry to throw your worries upon God. And the first one is this, is to let it out. Let it out. You don't have to stuff the worry. One of the best things you can do is actually to let it out. Have you ever been worried about something and maybe gone and talked to another person and expressed that worry to them? Has anyone ever asked you, well, have you talked to God about that? I've had someone ask me that before. And I realized that, nope, <laughs> I've just been carrying this worry. God invites us to come and cast these worries upon him. And as he does, we can actually verbalize them to him. He already knows about it. We've been talking a lot recently, and especially as we looked at different psalms, that we can be brutally honest before God. Tell him about what you're worrying about. Or share your worries with a trusted friend or a brother or sister in Christ. Let it out. Say, hey, do you have any encouragement for me? Can you help help me as I bring these worries and cast them at the feet of Jesus? Another way to let it out is to write it out, to journal, spell it out. Honest before God. God, I, I'm going to be honest before. I'm worried about this decision. I'm worried about this thing that could go wrong. That's what he means when he says, Come, bring it to me. He's not surprised. And he can handle it. All your worries, all your cares. Be honest before him. Let it out. The second thing is to turn it off. Turn it off. Turn the worry off. Meaning, limit what you're taking in on a daily basis. Limit your intake of news, of this crazy world around us. I believe that God created us only to be able to take in so much at a time. And we think about the day and age in which we live, how readily available any information is and how quickly we find out about something that happened on the other side of the world. We can know about it within seconds. And it's not healthy to have CNN or Fox or whatever news station, to have it on 24-7 or every waking moment of your day. It's only going to feed into those worries, only going to feed into some of those anxieties. And my encouragement is to narrow it down, narrow it down to certain times of day. We do need to be aware of what's going on, We need to have a concern, a godly concern for the things going on in our world. But you can narrow down those news sources. You can discipline yourself to only tune in at certain times or maybe certain sources. There's one source, news source, that I subscribe to that I just get a a daily email that kind of has some of the the top stories of the day and thankfully it's written from a biblical perspective, the world and everything in it. World Magazine, maybe some of you are familiar with it. They say biblically objective journalism, just saying the facts, sharing about it from a biblical perspective. Limit yourself to what you're taking in. The last thing I want to leave you with is first let it out, second, turn it off. Third, let it happen. Let it happen. What I mean by this is to let God write your story, that if something one of those worries does come true in your life, if you do face one of those fears, Maybe one of those what-ifs that's lingering in your mind right now. God's going to turn it for his good. He's going to use it for his glory. And we know that because of what he called Peter to. Jesus predicted that his death would bring glory to him. God is writing a story with every one of our lives. Look at what it says the very end of the book of John talking about all the things that Jesus did verse 25 there were also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written how is that possible? well John here is is using he's he's exaggerating he's using a hyperbole The point being, Jesus did way more than we could ever know. Way more than we can write down. We just are only scratching the surface here with what we've recorded. But it's not just a hyperbole. Because look around you, look at every one of us here. Think of the miracles that Jesus has done in each one of our lives if we recognize it, and if we are under his sovereign care and control, if we are a follower of Jesus, he's constantly at work. He's constantly doing miracles. He's constantly taking the troubles that we're going through, the hardships that we're going through, and using them for his good, for his glory, and even for our good, ultimately, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it. So we have no need to worry. We have one thing to do, and that's what Jesus told Peter. You follow me. You follow me. I'll take care of the rest. Whatever you face along the way, I'll be there with you. I've gone before you, and I take great comfort in that. I find such great peace in that that Jesus has gone before him before me. And my calling is to follow him, to entrust my life to him, to entrust my future into his care. And are we still going to fall along the way? Are we still going to carry those worries with us at times we are we are? but we can come back to him. Just like he restored Peter the end of his earthly life. Jesus will do that constantly for us, constantly invite us back to come before him and place our cares and our worries before him. I'm going to invite the team up as we close and as we close with this powerful song, this classic hymn, it is well with my soul that whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. We can confidently believe that. And as we believe that and sing it, it's amazing how our cares and our worries fade into the background because we know he's going before us. We know we are in his care. Let's pray. God, we pray that in your strength and in your power, we can let go, that we can cast our worries and our cares at your feet. Teach us what that means from day to day. Help us not to carry it, to hold on to it, but as you invite us to bring it to you and to let it out, to be honest before you, knowing that you can handle our worries, you can handle our cares. Help us and enable us too to limit what we're taking in around us and help us to let you write our story as we follow Christ, as we go down the path that he has for us and the plan that he has the calling that he has on each one of our lives, whatever that might be and whatever we face, may you receive the glory and the praise in Jesus' name, amen.